Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Happy Friday, April 15th, and welcome to Not Gambling Advice. That's Colby Olson. I'm Peter Apple, and we're talking pitching today. We both brought to the table two pitchers that we like for 2022 and two pitchers that we don't like for 2022. It's based around what we've seen initially, but it's also taking into account their previous years, and then what we're seeing so far this year. Colby, what's going on? How should we frame this? Is these Are these guys that you want to pick up in fantasy? Are these guys that you think we should be gambling on? How do you frame it? Because I have my own idea, but I want to hear how you say it. Yeah, I mean, I think it applies to a lot of different things, and that's the beauty of this episode, right? And I'm basing a lot of my the guys that I like off of guys that I already had kind of pegged for breakouts to begin this year. And the guys that I don't like, I'm really keying in on things that I've seen this year that I see are really, really concerning. And I think people should at least these things should be brought up, right? Maybe we need to see more sample. I think that's very important that we need to see more sample. A lot of these guys we've only seen one start out of. But it's something that goes into their next start. We need to to make sure that we keep an eye on because that could be huge for their value. Also, straight on the not on the gambling side, but on the fantasy baseball side, these could be great trade candidates for the pitchers that we do like. And the pitchers that we don't like, we're not taking, you know, some fifth starter. Like we don't like what we've seen from Patrick Corbin so far, but he's not going to make this list. These are going to be pitchers who are pretty solid, but we don't really like moving forward. That's why you could trade them if they're on your fantasy team or potentially if one of the pitchers that we like trade four on the fantasy team. So before we get into the pitchers, if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed, hit us with a like comment below which pitchers that you like moving forward and which pitchers that you're not too keen on as well as check out our chalkboard. It's our baseball group chat. We're talking all of our bets every single day, as well as all general baseball fantasy, even baseball cards. And that's in the link in our episode description. So Colby, I'll throw it over to you first. Who's your first pitcher that you like? My first pitcher that I like is Logan Gilbert, Seattle Mariners. He's actually pitching currently while we're recording this episode. Like, So let's hope he shoves against the White Sox. Regardless, I'm not worried about whether he shoves today or not because I love, love, love this guy. First outing for him, five innings pitch. I think he gave a one run, seven Ks. 
But what I do love, what I did see in that first start, Peter, was that he was a different pitcher this year. The fastball is the same, right? This is a pitcher that he's always gotten fastball whiffs. He throws 95, 96 up in the zone. Guys don't hit, hit it well. The question for Logan Gilbert last year was that his secondaries did not display enough whiff ability. This year, it's a different game for him. His slider, he's increased by four miles an hour. So he's throwing it a lot harder, decreased a lot of the vertical movement from it, but at 87 miles an hour instead of 83 miles an hour, batters can't keep up with it. Same thing for his curveball. Last year, he was throwing this big loopy curveball at 75 miles an hour and guys could hit it, right? It's so slow that they had the time to adjust. Now it's up to 78, 79 miles an hour, gets more whiffs, keeps guys more off balance. The last pitch that he throws, he's a four pitch guy, right? So he has a changeup that's filthy. He only throws it right now, seven, eight, nine percent of the time. But I think as the season goes on, he's going to, to lean on that pitch more, especially deeper into outings. This is a pitch that has a 50% whiff rate. So when he does throw it, it's lights out again, great fastball, new secondaries that get whiffs plus a great changeup. I'm all in on this guy being this year, even a high end number two. I'm really sold on Logan Gilbert. You and I both love, and this is something that we share, is we like to find really good pitchers based a lot on their individual pitches, on the pitch data. Do we like how each one of those pitches act? Do we like how well those pitches do against each individual batter? So that's what brings me to my first pitcher that I really like, and that's Tyler McGill on the New York Mets. Because Tyler McGill's stuff, in particular, looks a lot different from last year. But last year, this was a guy who had a 4-5-2 ERA through 89 innings. Not great. But even his expected ERA was at 3-8-7. So we saw the potential here. We saw the 94 to 95 mile an hour fastball. We saw a developing changeup and a decent slider. But this year, he made a few changes and a lot of changes that I do like. First, hanging out with DeGrom, and Max Scherzer over this offseason had to have helped him because right now his four seam fastball last year averaged 94.6 this year averaged 96.4 to be honest with you Colby I'm not sure why it's 96.4 because I've watched his starts now it's only 97 to 99 that's basically what we're seeing maybe there was a bunch of 96 sprinkled in there that's why you see 96.4 but he's really 97 to 99 and when I look at each pitch right because his changeup he used a lot more last year and it's no, he used it 25% of the time and he started throwing it more in 2022. He used it 20% of the time in 2021 and now he uses it 25% so far. And it's a really good pitch. And now he's throwing his slider less. And I think it's making the slider more effective because when I was watching him, the way he works off his fastball and that hard changeup in the slider, it's all working in harmony right here. I think this is a guy who so far is getting a lot of ground balls as well. I'm not projecting Tyler McGill as a high-end two, but I think he can be a very, very good three. And I think he could be as good as Chris Bassett is this year for the Mets. So all of the hype that we were giving Mitch Keller in the offseason going to the season, his velocity is going crazy. That hype, we should have be given to Tyler McGill because he raised his velocity, like you said, two miles an hour. That changeup, though, is a completely different pitch. It averaged 86 miles per hour last year. Now he's throwing it at 90 miles an hour. He has three different speeds that he attacks you with now. 96, 90, and then 86. He has a curveball that he can mix in. He doesn't really love to mix in, which is fine. He's a three-pitch guy that attacks you. He's going to go six deep. This Mets team is good. I love him 
for fantasy, but it's also a guy early in the year that I think sports books might not pick up on early and that we can hammer Mets money line when McGill pitches and might get really good value lines out of it. Agreed. I, I just think Tyler McGill is that one pitcher in the Mets rotation right now. That's not getting a ton of love. And that's partly on me. I I've been calling him vanilla from what I've seen in previous years. It was just, Meh. I mean, it was mostly How could we have expected year, this even in the yeah. minors too, but he just took a step up. And also he's got some moxie on the mound too. the eye test. He looks really good on the mound too. commanding big dude, big stuff going right after guys like Juan Soto striking him out. Tyler McGill is, is very impressive. It's important not to die on Hills, right? We talk all off season about what we expect guys to do. And then early in the season, a lot of those expectations go to shit and you need to be able to adjust to what you're seeing real time and not go, well, I didn't expect Tyler McGill to be good. So I don't think he's good still, right? We are seeing a different guy. This is a totally different guy. I will admit immediately when I'm wrong, immediately, because I want to be right more often than I'm wrong. I don't want to be the, oh, I didn't love Tyler McGill at the beginning and now he's showing, you know, improvement. No, now I like him because of what I've seen. And I think this is projectable moving forward. So who's your next pitcher? You want to talk about another guy that's a completely different pitcher this year. Yes. And I'm so fired up because he's a friend of the show. Jesus Lazardo, who we had on the just baseball show, right? This is a guy that I pegged after last season as being a breakout candidate coming into this season, because I expected him to throw his curveball more. I expected him to be happy back in Miami. We're seeing a different guy. If you watched his start the other night, it was as electric as a start as I've seen in a long, long time. Logan Webb shoved last night, and Jesus Lazardo's start may have been even better. But he made the changes that I expected him to make, Peter. He threw his curveball 50% of the time, up from the 30% of the time that he threw it last year because it's his best pitch. It had a 92% whiff rate in his start the other day. Last year, it had a 42% whiff rate, and I expect it to be around that 42 to 50% whiff rate. It's a nasty pitch, and if he's throwing it 45 to 50% of the time, he's a nasty pitcher. But let's not stop there because his fastball is completely different this year. Last year, it was around 95 to 96. This year, it's averaging 97 and a half. And maybe that'll settle in as the season goes on and he gets more wear and tear. But coming out of the gates, throwing averaging 97 and a half with 99 to 100, as the top end is unreal. And the whiff rate was way up 27% whiff rate on that. in his last start 18% last year. The other thing that I love that I saw out of his start, he's doing the Nadia Valdi, the Nestor Cortez influenced varying deliveries. And it fooled Otani. It fooled other guys a bunch. Like Otani didn't even get the bat off of his shoulder because he was sh- so shocked by the way that he varied the delivery that he just let this curveball go middle, middle down, down the middle of the plate strike three. This is a different guy that has confidence now, and he looks like the ace that he was pegged to be at one time. I really like that you brought up the Otani at bat because I was watching that live, and when he struck out Otani, made him look so silly. I thought to myself, that's real. I, I audibly real. said, holy shit, because audibly, I, it, right? it, was, it was that crazy. Because Otani was one of the best hitters in the league last year, and Lizardo made him look straight up silly. And when we interviewed him on the Just Baseball show, he really spoke to his mentality and he really spoke to the confidence in his pitches because his arm, hard to teach it, right? I mean, he, he can talk about his arm all day long, but you can't teach 99 from the left side. 
And for him, it's all about confidence in his stuff. And I like how you mentioned about him now moving back to Miami. He's a South Florida guy. He's been bouncing around between organizations and finally finds a home confidence in his stuff. The Marlins have confidence in him. And now he's playing free. He's playing easy and he's pitching like an ace. Will he be an ace this year? Hard to tell early, but he's flashing ace stuff. And that's why we're so excited. The potential is there for that. And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. So I'll talk about another lefty who on the other side has gotten off to a terrible start. And that's Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves. He makes my, I like him list. And the reason why is do not jump off the Max Freed bandwagon. He's thrown two starts so far and He's gotten beat up a little bit. He has a 5-7-3 ERA through two starts. But the when I've watched him first, in his first start, he was credited with five earned runs. A couple of those earned runs are from the home run that the opposed or the preceding reliever gave up. So those got credited to him. In his next start, a lot of blue pits, for example, and you can see it in the expected batting averages, right? Like 450 off his fastball, but expected batting average of 298. All the expected numbers are pointing towards the fact that Max Freed is totally fine. Even his fastball is up almost a mile an hour. His curveball is spinning at a higher rate than it was last year. And the slider as well is still disgusting. And it's just a tick down in spin rate but it's still at 86 mile an hour. All of his pitches look good. His movement on his pitches look good. He looks like a good pitcher. And he's just ran into two scenarios that I've seen where he didn't have a lot of luck. This is not something to be nervous about moving forward. I think Max Fried could still put up a Cy Young type season. I am not jumping on the off the bandwagon at all. If somebody in your league is getting cold feet about Max Fried, this is the time to jump on the Max Fried train and trade for him. because. Peter, what do we always say? Give the man a second. Give the man a second. It's two starts. Nothing has changed for me from what I thought of Max Fried two weeks ago to what I think of him now. He's still an amazing pitcher, and a two-game sample where his stuff still looked incredible is never going to change that for me. The reason why I put Max Fried on this list was because I was going through Braves Twitter, and I I wanted to look at how they were feeling about some of their guys. And I also saw a video on YouTube detailing why Max Fried is going to be a bust this year. And I thought, okay, let's stop this. Let's nip it in the bud right now. Does Max Freed, like we're we're talking about a lot of pitchers who are newer, uh, maybe some rookies. This guy is a great pitcher already. And my point of putting him on the pitchers I like is how much confidence I have in Max Freed to be totally fine this year and to really still put up a Cy Young type season. I love it, Peter. I'm always a guy that is trying to cherry pick and trying to take advantage of people that lose hope too quickly. And two starts is that exact sample. First first month of your season is when you should be attacking owners trying to buy low. He's my number one pitcher I'm trying to trade for in fantasy right now. My number one. So my next guy, are we moving into the, the pitchers that we've been kind of disappointed with this year and we're treading very lightly on? I think that's the part of the podcast that we're on now. Yeah, I... It hurts me to say the name I'm about to say, because at one time he was one of the most electric pitchers in the game, a guy that could put up 15 strikeouts in an outing and commanded not just the United States to take notice, but the entire world. You Darvish 
is mm. scaring me right now. Really, really scaring me, Peter. Last outing, 1.2 innings pitched, nine earned runs against the Giants. And so far this season, the walks have been a problem for him. He doesn't have the command he once had. But what really, really concerns me, Peter, is last year after the spin rate stuff went down, you Darvish was a guy that struggled in the second half. And so far this year, his spin rate has fallen even more. It's down over 150 RPMs on his fastball. And without that spin, his four-seamer just doesn't have the life it once did, but his other pitches don't either. The slider last year had its lowest whiff rate in the 20%. This year, he was not getting any whiffs on his slider. If he's not getting whiffs on his fastball, he's not getting whiffs on his slider. What is he getting whiffs with? So at age 35, I'm ready I'm ready to question if you Darvish is, is seeing, seeing the end here. The only reason you Darvish didn't make pitchers I dislike is because I've disliked him now for a very long time. And I was the first one or not the first one. Of course I wasn't the first one, but I guess I was one of the early ones to notice this change in spin rate. And Throughout the season, throughout the end of the season, I was fading you Darvish all the time. And we just got so much flack in TikTok comments and DMs and about how I'm an idiot for distrusting you Darvish. And I'm just like, watch, he looks like a different pitcher. And and not only the spin rate, Colby, I think your first point is spot on there. The command, the command of all of his pitches is not good. He's leaving everything middle. He, he got nine runs blasted off of him. But that was against a Giants team that the Giants usually have you Darvish's number. So I'm interested to see his next start. But I totally agree with you, Colby. This is not a guy who I rank very highly. I've always said that I think Blake Snell is a better pitcher, even when Blake Snell had his early struggles in San Diego. I think he, right now he's the three in the rotation behind Musgrove as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to drop throughout the year. And let me, let me touch on one point, right? I don't necessarily think this is the end, but I think it's a pivotal moment in his career because in his first start, he literally had a no-hitter. He had a yeah. no-hitter through six well, innings. Four walks. Four walks, Peter. Four walks. And it was against an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup that might be the worst in baseball. It's up there with being the worst with the, the A's. And can it righties? So he faced one of the worst lineups in baseball and then faced a good lineup and got pelted. And I just think he's going to get pelted all year. This is a guy who I pegged as a guy who could be a dark horse K's guy in terms of striking guys out. But if he's not commanding and the spin rate is down, that might just be an overall bad take. He might not do anything with strikeouts this year. And before I you mean, move on to your next guy, let me just say that this is not a time to trade him off your team if you own him because you're going to be trading him at the lowest point all season. But see what happens in his next start or two. And if he skates by and has a couple of good addings, but the stuff still isn't really there. See if you can try to trade it. Agreed. Probably going to fade him in the next game, but we'll see. My first pitcher that I dislike is not a pitcher that I don't think is good. I just think Ian Anderson of the Braves is not elite. And he's been pegged that way, right? Especially in the playoffs. Like I've been very impressed with the production from Ian Anderson, but I never thought to myself, wow, when I watch Ian Anderson, I'm watching a potential ace. What I feel like I'm always watching is a three who's good, but not great. And everyone is always pulled towards the changeup. And the changeup is really good. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to harp on the changeup much. It's the other pitches that I don't love. And of course, in his first start, he got run up on by a Reds team and their lineup isn't that great. So that's just the first start. In his first start, he got run up by a, by a Reds team who pitched Hunter Green that day 
And it looked to me, Colby, that Hunter Green was the better pitcher than Ian Anderson. Moving forward, who knows? You're, yeah, you're doing that. Exactly. Who knows? But Hunter Green had his first start for Zane Anderson has been in the league, and you already had that reaction, so that should be very telling. It's the fastball I don't love, Colby. Last year, it performed pretty well, but the expected stats point to some regression. And it's literally regressed in speed to start. Last year, 94.6 average velocity. This year, 93.2. Batters are hitting 500 off the pitch. It's early. It was one game. You know, maybe you can throw the batting average out the window on that pitch. But I think overall, I don't think the fastball is very good. Now, let's look at the curveball. The curveball was his worst offering last year. His worst offering, worse than his fastball. Like, on a curveball, you're hitting 268 against it, opponents. That's not good. That should be much lower if we're looking at a very good third secondary. So the fastball isn't good. I would say it's around major league average. The changeup is great, no doubt about it. And the curveball is below average. So what are we looking at here? A decent pitcher, a pretty good pitcher with a great changeup. I I put Ian Anderson in the category with Jack Flaherty of guys that the public seems to just fawn over and think that they're the absolute best pitchers. And they're not as good as they seem. But what not I will bad, bring up, right? We're not we're not, not saying bad. Like bad. I mean, he's he's not a top all. fifty arm, but is a top fifty arm what you were expecting out of Ian Anderson? Absolutely not, right? I he doesn't have the stuff for me where I'm excited by or thrilled by Ian Anderson, right? He's a he's almost a two pitch pitcher with a fastball changeup. He he mixes in a curveball, no? Yeah, curveball no, that's what I was saying. The curveball, the curveball is the third offering, and the curveball is fine, fine. So Justin Choi of Fangraphs did a really interesting article on Ian Anderson's changeup, and he brought up that there's something about it that we might not understand yet, because by all you know, movement profiles and velocity, it really doesn't play up that well. The stuff know, of it is okay. not doesn't play up that well, but there is some underlying release point or yeah. underlying movement that we're not seeing with it. So I, I do agree that the changeup is still a really good pitch. But yeah, I mean, to me, Ian Anderson is just so boring, Peter. So boring. I don't think he's boring. I, I still I still like him. And it's funny. He's on my dislike list, but I think you're more down on him than me. Because I when I heard you say top 50 pitcher, I groaned a little bit because that's straight up disrespectful. Like there are some top 50 pitchers who are not even that good. Like I think I had good. him at 50 on my on my list. Like that's that tough. <laughs> Braves fans, if you're listening, I would not have him that low. I just the reason he's on my dislike list is because I don't think he's a two and I think he could be a three. I think he is a decent three. He's a good three and that's where he's at. But in the playoffs, he has performed excellently. So I will always just give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And he's a high floor guy. Let's start Very there, right? Floor. He's a high floor guy. He's not going to get absolutely blown up because he has pitches that, that guys put on the ground. He, But I don't think he is a, a 3-2 ERA guy. I think he is a 3-5 to 3-7 ERA guy. We'll see what happens, Peter. I love that you brought it up, though, because it is a guy that I think people should start to be a little weary of and, and not expect the world from. He's not he, going to be a high upside, a huge upside guy. Colby, he had a 4.32 expected ERA last year. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Who's your Who's your last guy? So my last guy is an interesting one. I'm not gonna say I I don't like him because I I still really do like him. He's a top ten pitcher in the game. Actually, maybe top five. I had him five. It's Walker Bueller. 
And I just want to bring up what I saw from him and, and a trend I've seen from the past few years with Walker Buehler that kind of has caught my eye and I want people to be aware of it. Okay. Not act on it, but I want them to be aware of it so that they don't get caught with something that they, they probably shouldn't have. Okay. Walker Buehler, velocity, average four-seam velocity, 2020, 96.8 miles an hour. Average velocity, 2021, went down. 95.3 miles an hour. He was still able to, to su- succeed at such a high level last year that the velocity really didn't matter. But even last year, it flagged me as like, okay, what happened here with this velocity? Walker Buehler used to be 99, 100 pretty regularly. What happened this year? 2022 average forcing velocity in his first start was 94.3 miles an hour. And I'm not ready to say that that's concrete, right? It was the first start of the year. One, two, it was his first start of the year and it was in Coors Field which is never a great starting point for any pitcher to start the year. But it is, it is peculiar that his, his velocity t- just two years ago was 97, and now we're talking at it 94 miles an hour. And I just kind of wonder why that is. And if I'm not going to say that there's injury concern there, because I don't think there is that either, but maybe his arm just isn't as lively as it once was. And it's just something that I want to watch. His because first start was in Colorado, correct? Yeah. Could that be the reason? It could be the reason, Peter. It really could be the reason. I don't know if that would really affect his velocity much. I know, that's what I asked. Um, I was like, eh. it, it, it definitely affected the way he was using his pitches because yes. he didn't throw his, his curveball a lot. He didn't throw his slider a lot. He was mostly fastball and, and change-up heavy uh, because he mixes in. He's a five-pitch guy, which so good. this is my silver lining to it all, right? If he's not 95 to 97 to 98 miles an hour, he can still succeed at 94 because he is a five-pitch guy. He's going to throw four-seam, sinker, change-up, curveball, slider, and a cutter. So he's really six pitches. So he can vary movements, vary speeds. Um, I'm not super worried. I just kind of wanted to put this on people's radar so that they're aware that Walker Buehler's velocity has been down, not just from last year to this year, but from the year before that too. Okay. Something to monitor. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. A guy who I thought maybe that you'd be on maybe a little bit better, or not better, maybe a little bit lower on than maybe a Walker Bueller is possibly Shane Bieber. He's not my guy who made my dislike list, but if we're talking drops and fastball velocity, what made you not pick Bieber over Bueller? Yeah, I, I thought that that one was kind of obvious because we mm. saw it at the end of last year. Um, the end of last year, his velocity was still dipped and, and he came back this year and the velocities dipped again. He was still able to succeed though. So the whiffs he was getting on the slider and curveball looked good. Um, I could expect him to ramp up too. I could really, ex- because his velocity was up in spring training. Um, I could see it increase as the summer goes on, but again, another guy to monitor Peter. I agree. Another guy that, that is an ace at his best, but if the velocity is at 91, 92, I don't know. Because I was going to write about Shane Bieber, but I kind of had the same inclination, almost that it was like a little obvious. But And it's, again, it's not that I don't like him. It's just something to monitor with his pitches right now, the fastball velocity. Like, let's just see it progress over the season. I think he'll be fine. It's still cold. Still cold. Could be a reason, especially with Walker Buehler too. But my last guy who makes my dislike list is Eduardo Rodriguez of the Detroit Tigers. And again, this is not a guy who I think is bad. I just don't think Eduardo Rodriguez is a three. I think he's more of a four. 
And I think the entire story with Eduardo Rodriguez and why I was buying into it last year was, or at least this offseason, was when he went to Comerica. Because you look at his stat line, the ERA is high, but the XFIP and the FIP is low. And you maybe point that towards the Red Sox struggle on defense, the fact that he pitches in Fenway and that the park is so small that it's easy to hit there. A lot of different factors in, in those. But now he goes over to Comerica, much better hitter or pitcher-friendly ballpark, and he's much worse. 5.87 ERA in his first two starts. He's walking everybody. He's not getting any whiffs. He's not getting people to chase. And the contact that he's giving up is very hard contact. And another thing, we're talking about dips in fastball velo. Eduardo Rodriguez down almost a full mile an hour from last year to start. The sinker, which he's throwing more now, is actually a good idea, I think, on his part. But the cutter that he continues to throw through its 17, 18% last year, throwing 17, 18% this year, gets crushed whenever he pitches. The changeup, another pitch that doesn't perform that well. Some of the expected stats would still point. I know you're saying no on the changeup. I don't think it's that good of a pitch. I don't see any of his pitches and think that's a great pitch. I think they're all okay. Or below average. And I think that's where he'll be this year is an average pitcher in Major League Baseball. I think you are being the hyperbole, man. I think you need to pump the brakes on, on the Erod hate. One, I agree. He has not looked good in his first two starts. And I don't think he is a number two. I don't think he's a high end number three, but I think he's a really solid number three. And I think he's going to bounce back. Who's better, Ian Anderson or Erod? I'm taking Erod. Okay. All day. I'm taking Ian Anderson all day. No, all no day. doubt. The problem that Erod has run into in this beginning of the year is he ran into two left-handed hitting buzz saws. He ran into the White Sox, who just freaking crushed lefties. And then he ran into one. The Red Sox are a left-handed hitting buzz saw. But two, he's the, it's, their old, it's his old team. Of course they're going to know how to hit him, Peter. Of course they're not going to know how to get to him, right? I think he's still a really, really solid pitcher. And the changeup that you referenced wasn't good is very good. 30% mm. 30% whiff rate on that thing last year, a 263 average against 238x average against. It's an above average changeup. And his fastball is above average too. And his fastball's played well this year as well, Peter. I I think we need to. I would say that e now is actually a time that you need to go buy low on Erod because. There is an owner out there like you, Peter, that has given up on Eduardo Rodriguez and goes, this guy stinks. Am I expecting him to be an ace or a number two or a, you know, a crazy good pitcher? No. But will he deliver a, a very solid stat line down the rest of the year with solid K numbers? Yes. Yes, he will. I think we'll see. What I saw from his first two starts is I didn't see any of the pitches being all that good. His command was off and he was allowing runs to, I guess, those lineups with the Red Sox, but there have been other pitchers who have faced their former teams and didn't always get crushed. And the Red Sox offense has also been struggling this year, and look who they beat up on, Eduardo Rodriguez. White Sox offense, been sort of struggling this year. Who did they beat up on? Eduardo Rodriguez. So I think we could go back and forth here. My thinking is I just don't think that Eduardo Rodriguez is this really strong two. I think he's a three or a four. What's the what? What would an ERA 
from excluding his first two starts, what would you set an ERA line at? I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a three, nine to four, one ERA guy. Can we set a line at three, nine and make a little bet? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. I'll take under three, nine. You take over three, nine. Um, what do you want to wager? Well, we already have a case of Celsius, right? On our, and we have, so we'll just double yep. down on it. Okay. Down. Let's do it. And that's a good way to wrap up people. Two pitchers. We like two pitchers. We dislike. Let us know in the comments, whether you'd go over or under 3.9 ERA for Eduardo Rodriguez this year. And we just like to thank all the people listening on Spotify and Apple podcasts. If you are enjoying the podcast, leave us a five-star review. Tell tell us what you love just because this is a new podcast. Go check out the chalkboard link, join our baseball group chat and get your not gambling advice merch. I'm rocking my t-shirt right now. All nice and snug, feeling good in my not gambling advice. Colby, we're off to a decent start on the year gambling. I'm personally, well, I'm down 0.61 units right now with 10 and 11 hit on that Dodgers play of the year. Overall, you had an amazing day yesterday. My guy, my co-host over here, we disagree about Eduardo Rodriguez, but my guy went five and oh yesterday. So maybe I'm going to be the wrong one. I, I, you know, I, this is a one about Erod as well that I love to be proved, I guess, wrong again because I was high on him at the beginning of the year. But then when I watched his two, two starts similar to McGill, I was like, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be on that side of Erod anymore, basically, is how I felt. So if you want to get in on my 5-0 and action, want to get on all of Peter's bets, not only that he puts out live on TikTok, on Twitter, but also show off what kind of bets you want to make. Get in on the chalkboard. I want to hear what you like. So get in there and show us what you like and come chat with us. And with that, thank you, everybody.